0: From Psalm 91. If you say, The Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your home. For he will give his angels charge over you to guard you in all your ways, so that they will lift up your hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. He will be, I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Lord, we claim these words. They're your truth. They were your truth in times of old, and they are your truth today. God, we pray today, we pray for those who come into this place in great joy, having experienced your provision and your protection in life. We give you thanks and praise, God. We have so much to give thanks for. We could spend all of eternity doing it, and we'd still fall short. You are that good, God. You are that good. And Lord, I pray for those who've come into this place today from a place of pain, Lord and are seeking your protection, are seeking your provision, are seeking your help in a difficult time. Lord, we lay ourselves before you. We pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would work in our lives. God, would you you give us a word today that reassures us, that helps us to know that you've got us, God. That if we seek you, that we will find you that we put our tr- when we put our trust in you we have nothing to fear god for you are our our, our, our all powerful and almighty god we love you god and we pray this in jesus holy name amen amen you may be seated friends Well, friends, I just want to welcome you to Anderson Hills. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are we're so excited about this new series. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about what it means to be a praying church. Because when we were when we were planning out our message series and we were looking at this kind of this new start, if you will, as Anderson Hills Church, it was really obvious. It was really obvious there was only one place for us to start and that is with prayer. Because it's not our church. It's not really our lives. It's a, life is a gift from the Lord. This church is God's church. We just get to steward it right now here in this season, and that's a gift. It's a responsibility. And, you know, we will, we will dream dreams and we will do strategic planning, and we will do administrative work, and we will do exciting visionary work, and we'll do all these things. They they matter. They're valuable. God works through these things, but we won't do anything until we seek the Lord. We won't do anything until we seek the Lord, for it's not our work. It is God's work. So we're starting off, we've challenged our staff, we're spending 21 days fasting, and uh, we're going to challenge you uh, starting next week to join us for the final seven days. We'll talk about that more next week, but you might pick something you choose to fast from. There's a variety of ways to do that, but we are surrendering ourselves to the Lord. In fact, next Sunday night, we're going to come together for a prayer meeting uh, over in, in our sanctuary, and I really want you, even now, maybe put that thing on your calendar. It's going to be next Sunday night. We're going to come together to pray, to seek the Lord. We, we don't have some gigantic agenda. It's simply that. We want to seek the Lord. We want to give ourselves to God. We want to ask that God would lead us and guide us, because without that, what do we have anyway? What do we have? This is, this is why we're here. This is, God has called us here. and as we, as we talk about prayer in this series, we don't just want to talk about it. We want to do it. And so that's why we're inviting you to join us next Sunday night for that. Also that afterwards, uh, in, a, in a week of fasting, we believe in the power of prayer. We can't say enough how strong we believe in that. Today we're going to talk about how we can pray for God's protection. It's a biblical thing. We see that uh, throughout the Bible where many people do this. And today I want to tell you a story of God's protection. It's a story that goes way back to Old Testament times. You might remember the great prophet Elijah. And remember prophets are are folks who it was their job to speak for the Lord. So they would go to the Lord, they would pray, they would hear from the Lord, and then they would speak God's words to the people. Sometimes they would write it down. We have many of these books in our Old Testament of the great prophets. Uh, we, sometimes they would, uh, they would speak it to crowds. Sometimes they would speak it to individuals who came to them for help. Sometimes they would speak it to kings. Sometimes they would speak it to enemies. I mean, whoever God told them to speak to, they would do that. Sometimes they would live it out. Like Sometimes they would do things in their life, crazy things, that would show God's word to the people this is the life of a prophet. So Elijah's coming to the end of his ministry, and it's time to name his successor. And there was a very obvious group in which you would choose his successor from if you were planning this out strategically. There was a group called the School of the Prophets, and and probably a couple hundred of them. So there was a whole bunch of prophets, and you would think God would choose one of them. Well, God didn't choose one of them. Instead, God said to Elijah, you're going to go and you're going to appoint Elisha as your successor. Elisha was not related to Elijah, even though their names sound similar. Elisha was a farmer, and he's out plowing the field one day, and Elijah comes and tells him, hey, this is what God's calling you to do. And Elisha's a man of faith. Because in that moment, what Elisha does, he takes and he, he breaks up the farming equipment. He sets it on fire. He, he kills the ox that's been been plowing for him. That's a rough day for that ox, right? They cook the ox. They have a big party. And Elisha leaves and enters the ministry. Just like that. He woke up, thought he was going to be a farmer the rest of his life. And now he is a prophet. And he'll have some time along with Elijah. So they'll kind of have some overlap, some planned succession, if you will, right? And so they're working together. Elisha's learning what it means to be a prophet. And uh, eventually then Elijah is going to be taken up into heaven. And Elisha knows this. And he prays that God would give to him a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Now that's a big prayer. That's a big request and the Lord grants it. Elisha will be the prophet of whom more miracle there's more recorded miracles done by Elisha than any other prophet. He's a prophet of power. It's really exciting to read his stories. So we're going to read just one of them today. The people of Israel—they had a prophet. I mean, they had a problem with these people um, from Aram. Uh, the, the Arameans were—they'd oftentimes give the Israelites difficulty. They'd send in little bands of them, kind of like terrorist groups, who'd come in and, and would raid certain areas and would cause problems. Occasionally, they would come in in larger ways, the big army, and come to attack Israel. So, so they were—they were, they were being—they were being harmed by these folks. And so Elijah and now Elisha are leading reforms in Israel. They're calling the people back to the Lord. Put away your idols. Stop that nonsense and and focus fully on the Lord. Well, as they do, God extends and God protects them more and more. And Elisha is going to demonstrate that protection in a very supernatural way today. 2 Kings 6 verse 8. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert there. So Elisha is both a prophet and a spy now, right? Like God is revealing to Elisha, here's what's going to happen, okay? Here's the king of Aram's. here's his next step, right? It's like you're playing chess and, and God's telling you, here's what they're going to do next. So you're always ready, right? You're always prepared. Naturally, the king of Aram, he's seeing this, he's like, Dang it, how does this keep happening? I've got great plans. I'm going to go do there. But boom, the Israelites are ready every single time. You know, it's, and, and it was really an incredible thing that God was doing. Now, it's interesting to see how God protects we see various examples of this in the Bible. And today we're going to see one that's very supernatural. God is going to, he's going to show up, he's going to show off, right? He's going to do incredible things because he's God. He's all-powerful. He can do that. God uses supernatural means to protect us. I believe so strongly in that. God also uses natural means to protect us. It's not always just the supernatural. It's also the natural So when we talk about God's protection, please don't go out from this place, having heard this sermon, and say, all right, John talked about how God was going to protect me and God's going to take care of me, so it's all going to be good, right? I'm driving home today. I don't even need a seatbelt, man, because God's got me. He's going to protect me. That's not faith. That's stupid, okay? (laughs) Faith, stupid, two different things. Don't be stupid, okay? It, God uses natural and supernatural means both to protect us. We we need that, right? We believe in an Almighty God, and yet we also have locks on our church doors that we lock routinely, right? Because we, we need these kind of things. We've got locks, we've got cameras, we got well, a couple. Or this is I don't know maybe a little over a month ago. I was I was in here practicing the sermon one time. And I, I felt in a moment. I just really felt I was hearing the Lord speak. And, and I'm, and I'm praying through this as I'm in here and I'm talking. I'm walking. I'm walking right, right over this direction. And I have my eyes closed, right. And I got a little close to the edge, right. And uh, I did at that moment, like you know, you'd like feel yourself start to teeter, right? You put your hands up to kind of catch yourself, right? Problem was, I had my hands in my pockets, right? So I've got my eyes closed. I get too close to the edge, and, and I feel it, and I go to do this, and it doesn't work. All I do is kind of thrust myself out, and I fall right there on the ground like a middle-aged sack of potatoes, right? Just bam, right like that. Nobody else in the room right then. I'm like, I can't believe... That just happened, right? Like, it's just one of those moments, like, how could I possibly be this stupid, right? So, you know, uh, we, ha- we have very kind and compassionate staff, right? And-, and I was telling Eric about this thing, like, because he had been out at the time, right, when this happened. I was like, you know, I fell off the stage. He's like, oh, when, did- when did this happen? I told him. He's like, did you get the security camera footage? <laughs> like, <laughs> He didn't even ask if I was okay, right? He's <laughs> just like, because he knows we got cameras, and he knows this could be entertaining. This could be blackmail. I can't blame him, right? But we have cameras, we have locks, because we believe in natural and supernatural protection. Because people who fall off stages need all the protection they can possibly get, let me tell you. So we believe God does this. Natural means of protection are great, but God's not limited by that, as we see here in this story. So God steps in, and, and he, he supernaturally informs Elisha what's going to happen, right? And this is scary for the king of Aram. It kind of scares the skittles out of him here, right? Verse 6, the king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. The king's like, oh no, this is worse than I thought. You you mean to tell me that the king of Israel knows that when I'm having a bad day, that, that the queen, she calls me king whiny pants? Like, this is embarrassing, right? Like, oh no. But maybe that's an exaggeration, but the fact is God has been doing this, right? The king knows his secrets are out, so now he gets serious. He gets serious. Verse 13 Go and find out where he is, so I can send troops to seize him. The report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. Now, this is a perhaps bad military strategy we'd call overkill, right? We're going to get one prophet. He's got a little helper, so we got like one or two guys we're going to go get. And this is probably a job for like, you know, Navy SEAL Team 6, right? Send in a small group, your best and brightest. Nope, that's not what we do. We send in like this massive army and chariots and horses and it's this big display of power, right? We're going to come and we're going to show this Elisha, who's boss, right? We're going we're gonna to do this, right? And so this is scary because verse 15, when the servant of the man of God, Elisha's servant, got up early the next morning and he went outside, there were troops horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried out to Elisha. He's filled with fear. We get that. We understand fear very well. Maybe you're somebody who deals with with a lot of anxiety in your life. That that happens. Um, Maybe you're somebody who... You're really cool under pressure, and uh, you still experience fear. And I don't mean like the healthy fear, like, oh, there's a car coming. I should get out of the road. I mean that kind of paralyzing fear. We go through that sometimes, that fear that's not of the Lord. It's not God's will in our life that we would be paralyzed. We know what it's like. It's a natural thing. I mean, there he's looking at some serious threats coming his way. You know what that feels like. Things seem to be going well, and then it hits. You get the news that you never wanted to hear. You get the diagnosis that is so devastating. You get the call from the police. You get the call from your boss. You get the call from your financial advisor. Whatever it is, it's tough. And we find ourselves sometimes just knocked on our rear end. Filled with such great fear, we don't know if we can, we don't know if we can even move. Where where is where's my protector? Where's God in all of this? How could this possibly be happening? You feel like your head's spinning or like you've been punched in the gut. I thought God cared. I thought he had me my back. I thought he was all powerful. And maybe you're there today, friend. And if that's where you are, hey, I just applaud you for having the courage to come out and to seek him today. You could have stayed home and let that fear win, but you're here, and I'm glad that you are. And I've been praying that, that the Holy Spirit would just would move in power in your life today. It's not, it's not an accident you're here, okay? It's not an accident. Because God meets us in those places, and I strongly believe, friend, that God is working, he's protecting us, oftentimes in ways that we don't see. I believe that God's protection exceeds your perception. God's protection exceeds your perception. In other words, God's doing a lot of stuff that you and I aren't always aware of. God is at work in powerful, in even supernatural ways that we don't always see. God can, God does do that. And, and you know, that's, it's true in so many ways. There's so many protections we have we don't see at the moment. Like, I don't see the fire department right now, but I can assure you if that alarm goes off, they're going to be here mighty quick. If human protection, natural protection works like this, how much more does our Lord protect us? Listen to Jesus' words, Matthew 10. He said this, he said, Not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. The very hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. If God cares about these little, seemingly insignificant details, how much more? How much more does He care about you and what you're going through right this very moment? God cares. God cares. And so our first response, not our last resort, our first response, there should be prayer. That we, that we give ourselves to the Lord. That we're in those moments of fear. We say, God, here I am. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's why I'm feeling it. And I need you. I need you right now. Would you give me peace? Would you give me your protection? There's, there's countless examples in the Bible of people crying out to the Lord in this way. It, it's seen throughout the scripture. And sometimes it's just prayers of, of, of great faith. Knowing, believing that God can and will act. Sometimes it's prayers honestly prayed in anger. God, where are you? What are you doing? My enemies seem to be having their way. I seem to be getting nothing. Are you real? All, everything in between. We can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. We can give ourselves to him. We can pray, the Bible says, without ceasing. We can continually be praying that God will help us, help us through. We also should be acting. Maybe for you, you've got stuff in your life that's been limiting you, holding you back. Um, maybe it's uh, some addictions, or maybe it's some things that have been holding you up in life for a long time. Maybe things that were done to you in the past that were just horrible. We have this thing, it's called Break, Break Free uh, Workshop, and I really want to invite you to consider this. We're starting a new one. We've done a bunch of these. They've been powerful every time. Lives have been changed every time. We're starting a new one here in the next couple of weeks. Maybe... Maybe God brought you here today just to say, sign up for that. If that's you, would you take a risk and do it? Maybe God wants to extend his protection in very supernatural ways through this thing. We need God's protection in so many different ways. It was true for Elisha. It's true for us today. Check out Elisha's response. The servant is afraid, right? That's where we left him. He's scared. What are we going to do? We're surrounded. We're in trouble. Verse 16. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs, which is a funny thing to say when there's two of you, right? (laughs) Elisha, you're counting. Your math, it seems a little off, right? Nope. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Dang, wouldn't that be amazing? You look up, and you've only seen what you're surrounded by. You've seen this enemy army. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. His angels, he will give his angels charge over you. He will give his angels charge over you. That's not an occasional thing. Angels are real, and they're powerful, and they're, they're active in our lives. I, I believe in this. I believe in this. And sometimes we've, we've kind of messed this up in our, our kind of Christian folklore. Even uh, our, we look at angels in artwork. They don't seem all that scary, right? We look at this guy here, right? Like, gosh, put some pants on, man. That's the only scary thing about that. That's not what, I'm sure, that's not what Elisha saw when he looked up that day, Right? Oh, great. We're surrounded by a bunch of babies. This is outstanding. No. Angels are mighty warriors, right? Our God is a mighty, powerful warrior. This is our God who fights for us, who protects us. He's real. He's powerful. And, and what he does this day is just, it's incredible. And so we are here, and, and we may feel scared. We may feel intimidated, And Satan is real and powerful, and we should always take that seriously. We don't mess in the demonic, because it's real and powerful stuff. But we don't have to fear it. We respect its power. We don't have to fear. Why? Because 1 John 4, 4 makes it real clear. The spirit of the one who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. In other words, God is greater than Satan. When you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit... You don't have to fear those things because God's got you. God's got you. We seek the Lord. We seek his protection. We seek his help. We pray diligently. It doesn't mean we won't ever have a problem or a temptation or a pain or some type of oppression. We can, we will. But greater is he that is in you than he is, that is in the world. That we can pray, that we can receive prayer, that we can experience hope and healing through this. We believe this. We believe this with all our heart because these aren't just stories. These things happened. And, and I believe that this same God is at work today. Look at what happens. Verse 18, as the Aramean army advanced towards him, Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, please make them blind. That's a pretty specific prayer right there. So the Lord struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Now that's a prayer of faith and courage right there. The enemy is coming at you, right? This may be it for you and your little buddy here, but Lord, blind them. And God does. He does. Again, like I say, God doesn't always act in this exact way, but God can, and this is exactly what he does in this situation. But Elisha's only getting started with the prayers. Verse 19. Elisha went out and told them, "'You've come the wrong way. "'This isn't the right city.'" follow me, and I'll take you to the man you're looking for. It's kind of some comedy in this story, you know, right? He's like, hey, who are you looking for? Elisha? Oh, there's your problem. You must have the map upside down, right? Like, let me show you where he's at. So then the, he takes him to another city. This city, mind you, is Samaria, the capital of Jerusalem, which is 11 miles away. So he leads this blind army 11 miles. How? I don't know. It's obviously a supernatural event here, right? He led them to the city of Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria, that now they're the ones who are surrounding, right? It's like a reverse Trojan horse kind of thing. You got into the city, but bad news, your enemies all around you, right? You're in like the strongest place right where the headquarters of your enemy is, and there they are. They're all ready for you. This is worse for them than it's ever been before. They realize they've been duped. The king of Israel, of course, is just giddy about this. This is his best day ever, right? Verse 21. When the king of Israel saw them, he shouted out to Elisha, my father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Should I kill them? Can I kill them? Can I kill them? Let's kill them. Yes, yes, yes. No, no. Okay, no. Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? Give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. That's an odd plan. Maybe you get to kill them with kindness. Maybe that's the plan of the day. I don't know. So the king made a great feast for them and sent them home to their master. After that, at least under this king's reign, the Aramean raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. No kidding. Probably a good plan, right? It's not working out so well for you there. That's some serious protection. And I share this story because these big, powerful stories, they they give us hope. And, And like I said, God uses all sorts of means to protect. He can do these big, powerful things. I believe in that. It's not just past, it's present. He still does these kinds of things. He can also work through very natural means. Also, sometimes God gives us protection that we don't even see. Who knows how much you and I have been protected from in our lives that we had no earthly clue what God was up to. God protects us in so many incredible ways. We believe so much in the power of prayer. Because you notice Elisha prays. That's his action. He prays and he asks God to do this miracle and God chooses to respond. We believe in the power of prayer because prayer opens the floodgates of heaven. We're praying to Almighty God, the one who is the creator of heavens and earth. There's nothing he can't do. So when we pray, that is the best, that is the most powerful thing you can do. There's just nothing more that Satan would want you you to avoid prayer more than anything else because prayer is the most powerful thing that you can do as a follower of Jesus. It's the most powerful thing. Prayer, friends, it's not our last resort. It's our first response. It should be our first response. It should be how we begin our day. It should be how we live our life. It's not just for times of desperation. And yeah, we pray in times of desperation. That's fine. That's good. Just don't make that your only time that you pray. This, This past week, many of us have been praying diligently for DeMar Hamlin as a nation. We've seen our, our country suddenly refocused and gathered around prayer. Incredible. Right here in Cincinnati, you see these teams kneeling before Almighty God. In the midst of an activity that's one of our favorite things in the entire world, we stop and pray. And hear me, i i 'm not um, trying to celebrate at all the challenge, the challenges, the pains that are happening in this young man 's life it 's not that one bit i 'm celebrating the fact that when, when we realize our need for God, we turn to him in prayer. I mean, you saw people praying on ESPN, right i wouldn 't have told you last Sunday that was going to happen. You, you see people sharing openly about faith. And I know some Christians get cynical and be like, yeah, but in three weeks, that's stupid. If, if we're drawn to prayer as a nation, as a nation who's pretty secular, if we're drawn to pray to God, that's a win. That's a good thing. I'm not worried about two weeks from now. I'm just giving thanks to God for how God's working right here and now. We're thankful for how God's working in this young man's life. I saw where he's, uh, he's video chatting with his team yesterday, the other day. He's, uh, he's making great progress, that being described as miraculous. I mean, praise God. That's, that's awesome. That's one example, one example of God's power. Billy Graham wrote, uh, wrote a book, and I'll, I'll close with this. He wrote a book years ago um, called Angels, God's Secret Agents. and He tells a story about a missionary in the late 1800s. Who, uh, his name was John Patton. John and his family were missionaries in a very remote tribe, and it was a very rough place to serve. This tribe was violent. They were violent, and they even were cannibalistic. Right? It's like the last place that you'd want to be assigned to serve, if you will. One night, John and his family—they're they're in their tent. And some warriors from the tribe had come and they surrounded his tent or hut or whatever it was he lived in there. And they had decided that they were going to burn it down with his family inside of it. they had come to kill him. They hated the message that he was sharing. All John and his family could do was pray. We say things like that, but in reality, the best thing they could do is pray. The most powerful thing they could do is pray. So they did that. They sought the Lord. All night long, as dawn began to break, John peeked out a window with terror in his heart, fearing what he would see. And as he looked out, they were all gone. The enemy had all just left, unexplainably, in the night. John and his family, you'd think they'd pack up and go home after an event like that, but nope, they were empowered even more to share the good news of Jesus. And they did that. About a year later, the chief of that tribe would give his life to Jesus. Things would start to change. John sat down with the, with the chief soon after his conversion, and he said, tell me, that night that you came to burn my house down, why did you leave? Why didn't you just kill me then? The chief looked at him surprised, and he said, well, of course we couldn't. Said, what do you mean you couldn't? He said, well, your house was surrounded by all those men. What men? The men with swords and bright clothing. They were surrounding you, and we couldn't touch you. I believe in that stuff. I believe in it yesterday, today, and forevermore. Because he's still on the throne. It's his work. So we're a praying church because we don't believe in our power at all we believe in his power. Thank you, God, that you are powerful, that you are on the throne, that you are righteous, that you are worthy of all our praise, that you are our protector, that you are our provider. Lord, we need you every hour. For many of us, this story, gives us joy as we look back and we remember times where you protected us were times where we felt no hope and yet you were there. Times where there was no way and yet you made a way. And we give you praise. We give you thanks this day. We worship you, God, for you are worthy of our praise. For others of us, this story, it hits differently. Because we feel like we're the ones surrounded in that tent right now. We're tired. We're hurting. And we just want you to move, Lord. Would you do it again? Would you do what only you can do, God? Would you protect? Would you heal? Would you bind up the brokenhearted? Would you set free the addict? Would you confront the sin? Would you lead us to sorrow that leads us to repentance a godly kind of sorrow would you transform us God would you make us into your likeness for God you are so good we need you we need your protection forgive us forgive me for the times where I think I've got it I don't you do you do, God. Lord, we give ourselves to you this day. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' holy name.